0: Hey everybody, welcome back. Uh, Another edition of the Fantasy Alarm NASCAR DFS podcast. I'm Dan Malin. I am joined by the 2 two-time Fantasy Sports Writer of the Year for NASCAR DFS, Matt Sells. Matt, how you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty well. Uh, You know, gearing up here for the second Talladega race. Um, Always exciting when Talladega happens. Uh, It's always fun to watch that racing unfold. Um. You know, for me, I enjoy the strategy of that kind of racing quite a lot, um, at least from an actual racing standpoint, not necessarily from DFS. Um, but yeah, and then it was a it was a news filled week for NASCAR this week is a huge, huge news filled week for NASCAR. So there's quite a lot to delve into there. Um, obviously, Kurt Busch pulling a 2020 move and winning at his home track for the first time in his career, like nobody saw coming.
0: Yeah, that but- was the ultimate move. He sucks at Vegas, and then he wins Vegas in 2020, and that's the only scenario. That's the only reason I can come up with is that a guy who said, who historically sucks at his home track, and then he wins at his home track, and and in in 2020, the most bizarre year in modern history, and it makes sense just because of that. And Denny
1: Hamlin also had a strong showing at Vegas and even though all week he knew it was his toughest his worst playoff track he was just hoping to get through it and then move on to the next one so he could just survive this round and then he goes out and has a strong performance and yeah that was just a, a kind of a weird <laughs> kind of a weird race last weekend. Um, to be perfectly honest, I was awake for the first two stages, which nothing really much happened. And then by the time I woke up in the third stage, I apparently missed every caution. Um, (laughs) I woke up and they were on some crazy restart. And then I saw like the last couple cautions. Um, so yeah, that was, that was kind of a, kind of a crazy, crazy race there. Uh, congrats to Kurt Busch.
0: Congrats to Kurt Busch, but like his win really shakes up the playoff landscape yes. because he was outside the top eight to qualify. And it pushes his it.
1: brother outside the cutoff line, right
0: Exactly. Now. And so it puts Kurt Busch automatically in the top eight. And so this is currently, it has Kyle Busch, Clint Boyer, Eric Almirola, and Austin Dillon on the outs. Now, Dillon at least can hang his head on the fact that we have a super speedway coming up, and so there's a fair chance he has a good showing here. Right. But Kurt Bush in the in the round of eight is is very surprising. He had a very bland and vanilla year and all of a sudden he is in the mix for in the round of eight and all yep. it takes is one more win in the round of eight and he moves on to race for the, the cup championship.
1: Yeah, I mean he is a former champion, so let's not like it's not like a you know, it's, it's not not pooing like, <laughs> him by any means. Right. It's not like Austin Dillon showing up out of nowhere in the first round. Um but it was a bit surprising. Obviously, Vegas was not good for Kurt Busch. Um, Talladega is a, we'll get to it, but a pretty solid track for Kurt Busch, actually. Um, and though he's never won there, he's run very, very well um, at Talladega. Um, but then he's not really your prototypical road course racer, so the Roval might not have been his best track either. So it's just kind of a, uh, you know, now that the next one, kind of sets up pretty well for Kurt Busch with, uh, what Texas and Kansas and Martinsville, if I'm not mistaken, uh, in the next round. So a couple of mile and a half, which he's been pretty good at mile and a half this year. He just won on one. Um, so yeah, you know, who knows what could happen at this point, but that was definitely a big playoff shakeup.
0: So the big news coming out on Wednesday was the NASCAR schedule. Um, NASCAR Twitter was ablaze over it. Uh, a lot of road courses this year. Dirt on Bristol for the first race. Um the the clash at Daytona is going to be run on the road course, which is going to be so bad. Um I'm personally excited because Atlanta gets two races next year. They get uh, their typical March race, um, which is also going to have a double header for Xfinity, which is awesome. But then uh, they come back to Atlanta in July, which is going to be a very slick race.
1: Yeah, as I put it, it it'll be like racing on KY Jelly, essentially, because yeah. it gets hot in Atlanta in July. And that track is already slick with no grip. And now it's going to be, I mean, we they raced in, what, June? In Atlanta this year when they came back? Or was it May?
0: Uh, it, I think it was early. It was, a, June. it was late May, early June. I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, it regardless, was, we're splitting hairs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we already
1: saw how toasty it was. I mean, look at how many drivers had the had the uh, heat related issues after that Atlanta race in June, and now you're gonna push it to July. Which, I mean, you live there, you know how toasty it gets <laughs> in the summer. They call so. it Hot Atlanta for a reason. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. So, um, but yeah, I mean. Personally, it was really nice to see NASCAR go for some big swings here with the schedule. Um, A lot of people for a while have been saying they want more road courses in the uh, NASCAR Cup Series, and they want fewer intermediates. And so NASCAR obliged. Um, There are a couple of misses. I think the the dirt race at Bristol is going to be interesting. Let's put it that way. I will hold my full assessment of it until we see it, um, could be interesting. I feel like it's pretty gimmicky right now just to kind of bring attention back to the first Bristol race, which typically gets overshadowed by the, um, August slash September Bristol race, which is the night race. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's, there's definitely some nice new tracks in there. We get circuit of the Americas or COTA for those, uh, that know the abbreviation, and I am super pumped about this. I have wanted Coda on the Cup Series circuit for a couple of years now. Um, it was purpose-built for the F1 Series to come to the U.S. and run Grand prix there, which they do. IndyCar runs it. It is a state-of-the-art road course facility. Uh, it should have no problem getting about 100,000 fans. It's in Austin, Texas. Um Oh, that's a
0: really nice market to target as well.
1: Yeah, it's in Austin. so um, They should Te- have
0: done that years ago.
1: Yeah, Texas Motor Speedway forked over one of its points races down to Coda. And actually, the people that run Texas Motor Speedway, which is SMI, are actually technically renting Circuit of the Americas for the race, basically. They're, like, leasing it for the day to go run there for the weekend. Um, so I'm super pumped about that one. We get Sonoma back. Obviously, that was cut this year because of uh, COVID, Ooh. and they didn't want to travel all the way to California. Um, the All Star race moves to Texas Motor Speedway, which is probably going to be a snore fest. I'm not going to lie. Texas Motor Speedway is not yeah, that's and a half.
0: That is dull.
1: Yeah, it's going to be dull. Uh, Nashville Super Speedway makes its debut as Dover forked over one of its races to Nashville Super Speedway, not the fairgrounds. Oh, but the Super Speedway,
0: what? Why is it called Nashville Super Speedway?
1: That's what they call it because it it it's fast. I guess I don't know. They call it a Super Speedway. It's one point. No, see the fairgrounds are is a half mile.
0: Okay.
1: Nashville Super Speedway, which is technically outside of Nashville by about forty five minutes, is a one point three six mile concrete D shaped oval. So it's like a concrete. It's like the same length as Darlington, with the same shape as Michigan, and it's concrete.
0: Okay.
1: So it's kind of an interesting one. Uh, Xfinity and Truck have run there previously. It's never hosted a cup race. We'll see what happens. The doubleheader idea for Pocono is back uh, in June, so hopefully fans can actually go to it this year. Because in 2020, the doubleheader was selling tickets like hotcakes, and then COVID happened, and nobody was allowed there. So. Um, We get Road America in the Cup Series, which is sweet. It's
0: going to be like 55 laps.
1: Yeah, it's probably going to be a pretty short one. I
0: really hope that they can campaign to take away the stages for that race.
1: I do, too. I don't want stages in road course racing. I think it defeats the strategy in road course racing.
0: I feel like a really underrated aspect of the new schedule is that the fact that they're not racing the Oval at Indy and they are running the road course for Indy. Watch the, the Xfinity race. The Xfinity road course race this year for 4th of July weekend was phenomenal.
1: Yes, it was. Um, so 4th of July, they're going to Road America for Cup Series, too. It's on the 4th of July. It's pretty fun. For Road America. And somebody was like, how could you not go to Road America for 4th of <laughs> July? It literally has America in the name of the track. Um And, uh, yeah, then they go back to – so we have back-to-back road courses in August to start the month with Watkins Glen and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course. So there is no more Brickyard 400, by the way. They got rid of that and replaced it with the road course at Indy, which is sweet. Um, So, yeah, it's – and then the playoffs basically remain entirely intact, which is fine. I like the way the playoffs are setting up right now. Um, But, yeah, overall there's six road courses – on this schedule. So a sixth of the points paying races will be run on road courses. Um Michigan loses a date. Chicagoland no longer appears. Kentucky no longer is on the cup schedule.
0: Um I'm not gonna miss Kentucky.
1: Dover loses a date to Nashville. Um so yeah, overall I think it's a pretty it's a pretty intriguing schedule. Um and then um also, you know, reminder that this will be the last year they run the two-mile at Auto Club because it's getting demolished and replaced with a half-mile uh, short track out there. So, that should be fun when we get a new short track on the on the schedule in 2022. So, um, other big news is that 28 of these races will be one-day shows, just like we've had this year. So, no practice, no qualifying. They're likely going to use a formula to set qualifying. Sucks. Um sucks. But Daytona will have practice and qualifying. Um, the Coke 600 will have it. The championship race will have it, and then basically um, all of the new tracks will have practice and qualifying. Um, and there's a lot more of the 750 horsepower low downforce package next year too. So uh, I know that was a big news dump on you there, but the schedule is pretty is pretty sweet. Um, and a lot of road courses coming up, so that'll be uh, kind of interesting for DFS. It's going to deflate the
0: scoring averages there next year for for guys. Yeah, and I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, well, if it's going to be the same as, you know, 2020, how excited can I possibly be for NASCAR DFS next year if they're not going to have qualifying and they're not going to have practice? And I get the theory is that, you know, they want to save teams money because they're introducing the next gen car in 2022 so they don't want to have to invest money in in the model running next year if they have to keep wrecking them and so, so I, I get the financial aspect of it but for d d and i know owners don't give a damn about dfs but from a dfs aspect this is it's going to be the same thing that DraftKings has done all year long is that they're going to set prices off the presumed starting lineup and then it's it's it just becomes a, a bigger challenge to try and find value.
1: Yeah, I mean that part is definitely going to stink, but you know, again, if they go with the new revised formula where about half of it is based off of your past. That's true. Uh, race, a guy crashes out um and it could it'll shake things up like we had. Well, Rick- if he starts I at the year start- then, if, or, if he starts or, at
0: the rear then DraftKings just prices him up.
1: Yeah, I mean that's true. I mean we'll get to it because with Brendan Gong uh, this week, we'll 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 get to his price difference between the two sites because one of them paid attention to starting spot and the other one didn't. Um, I'll, I'll give you a, I'll give you a guess as to which one did and which one didn't. Um, but there's a forty five hundred dollar price difference for Brendan Gong this week between the two sites. Um, yeah, we'll touch on him in a bit. So yeah, I mean it it will be something to get used to. Uh, for sure, but not really anything we can do about it. Um, I do get the motivation behind it. Clearly, um, you know they don't they they don't want these teams spending three hundred thousand dollars on cars that crash and practice and qualifying that aren't going to be of any use to them once the checkered flag drops at Phoenix on November seventh because they're going to switch to the next gen car. So they're trying to make things more cost effective for teams so that new teams can potentially come in they don't have to sell you know we've had Jermaine racing cell. we've had levine family racing cell gaunt is who knows what's going to happen with them um you know who knows what happens with money with richard penny motorsports now that bubba wallace is leaving um you know and, and there's still talk that hendrick may contract the team i don't think that's going to happen but there's still talk about that um so yeah, you know, with all these financial issues, I, I understand the principle behind it.
0: All right, uh, let's talk programming notes really quick. Uh, you have the track breakdown that came up Thursday night. We are recording this around eleven thirty nine p.m. Uh, yeah, there's about two minutes left in the Thursday night football game. The the shootout that is the Broncos and the Jets. Um, if by in uh, the
1: fans want to just shoot themselves, then yes,
0: that's, that's a fair probably. point. It's valid. <laughs> I'm sure some folks did. And Melvin Gordon's breaking a very, very long run. And there he goes. He scores. Anyway, uh, so we've got Talladega on tap. Uh, If you've listened to a previous Super Speedway podcast before for us, you kind of know how it goes, but we'll still provide playbooks and and a little bit of analysis. But uh, Saturday we have the Truck Series race at 1 p.m. Eastern time and the Xfinity Series Race at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time. There will be playbooks for both. I can't necessarily say that I'll go too in deep. One, I'm not really playing either race heavy. Um, I don't like playing Bristol heavy. I don't like playing Super Speedways heavy. But I will provide a playbook. Um, and then just the general overview that everybody is in play. And I'm not going to say no to anybody.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's basically my philosophy here this weekend, too. I will highlight the guys that I think are the best plays for Cup. Um you know based on strategy for the race and whatnot but again it's talladega same thing with daytona basically everybody's in play um there's really no way to know what the heck is going to happen in these things because of the way that the racing happens um it looked like a very smooth talladega race um back in June when they raced here last um And then the last lap happened and like 12 cars, 15 cars were involved in a wreck. Um, So you just kind of never know when these things are going to happen. Now we got the playoffs on the line, so you would anticipate that the the pushing and the shoving is going to come a little sooner than it did in June. Um, So, yeah, I have the track breakdown is up at Fantasy Alarm already. That came out earlier on Thursday. DFS rankings and projections will be out throughout the day on friday the playbook will be out saturday um as for example lineups um had to see exactly when they'll be out because the race starts if i'm not mistaken at like 1 30 eastern on sunday oh yeah an um, nfl and it's an nfl morning and for those of you who are members on the site you know that you you may know that dan and i have quite a lot to do on sunday mornings as uh,
0: Howard Bender likes to say on Sunday mornings, NFL ro- rows the boat. Yep, it steers the ship. So from yeah, basically we're
1: up about six or seven a.m. and answering questions <laughs> in chat and being human, and doing inactives and
0: uh, yeah. So basically, up until one p.m., you're only going to see NFL content on the site. After that, we'll we'll move the NASCAR stuff up. But as right. always, if you don't see it on the home screen, click the NASCAR tab. <laughs> you'll find everything starting
1: starting saturday evening you're only going to see nfl stuff uh exactly up in the top five so um dan and i will try and be in nascar chat as much as possible but again this is kind of a weekend where everybody's in play um there are certainly drivers we like more than we like others but again if you're mass multi-entering you've got to get a share of everybody you just have to this weekend it's just the way it works Um, so that's kind of the schedule for this, for this week. Um, you know, as always, you know, where to find the content, um, and we'll have playbooks out for stuff. Um, so yeah, the example lineups might just be a tad, tad late on Sunday, just cause, uh, I'm producing the live stream for Howard and Jen who answer all your questions. I'm also in live chat. I'm also in the fantasy chat on uh you know the home page and doing an active so there's a lot of different directions on sunday but with that let's go ahead and start breaking down some of these drivers we're also not going to break down the whole field it's hard to
0: break down the whole field when the whole field is in play yes exactly we'll leave so, at that uh, but who do you want to talk about first? I feel like Ryan Blaney is an obvious choice. He's 9,100. Yep. He's starting 14th. He's won, I want to say, two Talladega races in the last two years. Obvious he's play.
1: The last two. He's won the last two Talladega races. Yeah. So he won this race last year, and then he won um, the June race. He started 12th in the June race and won it, and he started 9th in the race last October and won it. So, Um. Yeah, he's, he's going to be pretty popular. Um, that price on DraftKings is a bit lower than I think it should be, based on where he's starting and his history here. Um, also, he's on Team Penske, and they just straight-up dominate plate races. Um, also, if you take a look at the track breakdown, you'll realize that um, in the last 10 races at Talladega, Ford has won 90% of them. The only Chevy win was Chase Elliott's, talladega win which also came under caution on the last lap before he actually crossed the finish line it just there's a white it was a yellow white checker so um yeah so (laughs) chase is the only chevy winner in the last 10 races everybody else has been a ford winner um blaney's got two of those and yes he's out of the playoffs now but that doesn't stop him from trying to win races um, he's also got the second-best average finish, or uh, average driver rating here in the last four races at 102.3, just behind his teammate, Joey Logano. So, yeah, uh, Ryan Blaney is going to be a guy that you're going to see in a lot of lineups.
0: Now, let's talk about his teammates, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, fellow Penske drivers. Penske cars are typically very good at super speedways. Uh, we were—you were more on board with Logano last week than I was— um, but at the same time you know that th- this is a track that's anybody's game right uh, and and these guys have done very well at at these tracks before I'm assuming Logano kislowski I mean do, do we prioritize them over the rest of the field this week uh probably and between those two
1: it's a little it's it's a little bit of a combination between what have you done for me lately versus your total body of work here because yeah. Kislowski leads the field and active drivers with five wins at Talladega. But he hasn't really been all that good here recently. In fact, in the last four races, he's got, one, he's got no finishes in the top 10. He's got two in the top 20, and his average finish is 21.0. Whereas Logano's average finish is 9.3 in that same span. And so if you go last eight races here, Logano has five top fives. Kieslowski's only got two top tens. So, if you're going with a recency bias, you got to go Logano here. If you're going with, you know, total body of work at the track, it would be Kislowski because he's got five wins at the track. But either one of them are usually in play late at a plate race. Um, but right now, I'd probably lean Logano. Okay.
0: All right. Um... Sorry for the pause. I do kind of want to bring up one question to you, though. Sure. Because we're seeing uh, diminished pricing a little bit on DraftKings. You know, like Chase Elliott is the highest-priced driver at 10500 DraftKings has not been shy in the last few weeks about pricing guys up. Like last weekend, Kevin Harvick was 11700 Does the more level pricing, I guess, how are you approaching it with this? Because, I mean, Chase is the most expensive driver at ten five, and I feel like the softer pricing might afford you to pay up for more studs. But again, at a track like Talladega, it doesn't, it it might not matter.
1: Yeah. So I don't necessarily pay much attention to pricing um, at super speedway races um, because generally they are a bit deflated, just like we see at road courses. And that's simply because laps led, like a lot of them are hard to come by. Yes, there's 188 uh, laps. Uh, for this Talladega race. But here's the thing. Like, you know, Chase Elliott, I think, leads the field in laps led per race over the last four races. Or sorry, um, no, Kurt Busch does. At 31 per race. So Kurt Busch is leading the most, but he's still not even leading a sixth of the race. So, uh, you know, Dominator points just don't really carry that much weight. This week, it's mostly going to be finished position and position differential. Um, so, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to salaries this week because I... There's, ne- there's almost never an issue with fitting basically all of the guys you want into a lineup this week at, at Talladega, as you know. Because you can... I mean, one strategy is to simply take the five or six guys starting in the five or six uh, were starting spots and then just play them. And then you really have no salary concerns. Um, and even going stars and scrubs, isn't really that big of a thing. So, um, it does kind of lead, lend you to, uh, leaving a little bit, you know, um, you know, how sp- don't want to say this. Typically at plate tracks, we leave a lot of money on the table, but with the change in the way that DK is doing their pricing, And you may not have to leave quite so much money on the table as as we typically see, um, as they would typically set prices. You know, like last year, for example. So,
0: fair enough. Yeah, uh, with plate races like Daytona and Talladega, don't be afraid for GPP or even cash lineups to leave. For GPPs, you can leave anywhere from like three grand to eight grand on the table. And I've seen some cash lineups if you're just trying to target guys starting at the rear. I've seen cash lineups leave 20 grand on the table.
1: At um, Talladega earlier this year, in June, I had a Fandle lineup that left $35,000 on the table. Right. Because all I did was I took five guys that were $3,000 starting in the back of the pack and then rooted for crashes. (laughs) And obviously that didn't particularly work. That particular Talladega race, usually there's better success. Um, But, I mean, that's one strategy here. I think it's probably going to be a little bit more stars and scrubs approach this week than we typically see uh, for a Dega race. All
0: right, we're moving on. Uh, Joe Gibbs raising. How are we approaching these guys this week? You know, Denny Hamlin's won three of the last Daytona 500s. Uh, It's been a rough year for Kyle Busch. Martin Truex Jr. outside of Martinsville, it seems like he's – a lock for it to come in like second, third, or fifth. Uh, what's the approach with uh, JGR cars this week? Um, the only one I'm really
1: all that interested in, frankly, is Denny Hamlin. Um, not only is he on the pole, which historically here actually gives you a pretty decent chance of winning the race, um, as I think it's almost like a 14% chance of winning, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that's over like a hundred races at Talladega. Um, so, you know, you can get some cheap laps led points. For, I mean, it's, it's possible that they get single file early and the guy up front can just lead like 25, 30 laps early and then they go double file, or whatever. But Truex historically is not a very good plate racer. He tends to just drift backwards and then get caught in the middle of the pack at the very worst time. Kyle Busch has won. At Talladega, he has one at Daytona. He's not won the Daytona 500, but he has one at Daytona. So, And he's finished in the top three the last couple of Daytona races. So he's an intriguing one for me. Um, you know, he watched his son win his first kart race last weekend, and now his older brother got his first race at, or first win at Vegas. So is there a little bit of a narrative going where it's brewing kind of towards is Kyle Busch going to get off the schneid this week? So, I, I'd play a little bit of Kyle Busch. Um You know, as for Eric Jones, he's an okay plate racer. I mean, he's not
0: terrible. Um, but the yeah, starting spot definitely. isn't enough, really, for me to take a chance.
1: Yeah, not really, because he's kind of starting mid-pack, which is yeah. kind of where you want to avoid guys starting. Um, <laughs> yeah,
0: true.
1: T- typically. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I see JGR. Breaking down this week,
0: uh, I guess we'll move to SHR. And, and typically with SHR, aside from Elmer Rolla, no one really jumps off the page as as a good plate racer. I and have this has been a
1: sneaky play from SHR. Clint Boyer, yes, yeah, I figured he's won. So he won the playoff race here in 2010 and 2011. Yes, I know that's basically a decade ago, but he has won this particular race twice. Um. And, you know, in his, I believe he's raced, he's raced here 29 times. He's got like 13 top tens. So, um, he's kind of been, and then if you remember a few years ago, SHR just straight up ran away with the race when they had the, they basically never relented the top four spots and they were a four car breakaway the entire time, the year that Almarola won Talladega in the fall. Um, it was just an SHR show the entire time. um, yeah, I think Clint Boyer could be a pretty sneaky play. He's starting ninth, um, which typically you want at least one dude inside the top 10 to bolster your, you know, starting inside the top 10 to bolster your uh, roster, and he's $8,300 on DK, um, which, by the way, going back to the June race, Boyer is $1,600 cheaper on DK this time around than he was in June. Um, he did finish 25th in June, however – At the last 10%, with 10% of the race to go, he was running 12th. And then he got caught up in the big one. So, um, you know, there's something certainly in his favor here. And, again, he's still fighting for his playoff spot in the round of eight. Um, And just as a little kicker, over the last four or five races, the driver starting in the ninth spot has actually scored the most points at Talladega. So if you want to go with that route, Clint Boyer is an interesting play. Not all that interested in Cole Custer. He's starting mid-pack. I don't care that he's 6200 bucks. That starting spot scares the daylights out of me. Um, and Kevin Harvick is... He's all right. I mean, he's not the best plate racer. Obviously, he's won plate tracks. Um, but, yeah, I would say the two main... Uh, you yeah, um, know... Boyer really intrigues me there. And Almirola, uh, this is called bearing in the lead, but Almarola actually has the best average finish in the last four and last eight races at Talladega. He's got a 5.1 average finish in the last eight races. Uh, not finished outside the top 10 in that span. He's got five top fives. In this race last fall, he finished fourth in the race here. In June, he finished third. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, Almirola is probably my favorite play this week. Um price wise and starting spot wise and just consistency, he's probably my favorite play.
0: Really like Austin Dillon and dare I say it, Ricky Stenhouse are up there.
1: Uh yeah, I mean they're they're certainly up there. You gotta pay attention to Ricky Stenhouse anytime they come <clears throat> to a plate track. His driving style is made for plate tracks. He's
0: starting pretty far back, so he's got the PD upside. Um This is one of the four races every year where people are not making fun of Ricky Stenhouse and Everyone's on board with playing. Yeah, he
1: actually doesn't historically wreck at the most wreck-filled races. He actually <laughs> just wrecks himself at the ones he shouldn't wreck at. Um, Darlington. And for some reason, he's only 8800 bucks on DK, and he's starting in like the back quarter of the field. Um, and he's got three top tens in the last four races here with a 9.8 average finish. So, um, yeah, Ricky Stenhouse is definitely going to be popular. Um, and Austin Dillon's got some wins here, too. Um, and he's starting one spot behind Amarola. Um, he's even cheaper. He's 7,300 on DK. Um, so yeah, those two guys are certainly also, uh, pretty decently high on my list too.
0: Well, uh, let's touch on Hendrick really quick. You know, coming into the year, everyone, everyone was talking about how fast the Chevys were, um, do you feel like it was kind of a lost year for the Chevys because they had the new model of their their ride coming in? You know, every three years it rotates between Toyota, Ford, and Chevy. And it was the Chevy's year, and it it just kind of got lost because they didn't get qualifying in, in practice for most of the races, and we didn't really get to see like what this model can necessarily do. And yet, here we are at Talladega, and, and William Byron did win the last Super Speedway race to qualify for the playoffs at Daytona.
1: Yeah, he... You know, and in his first win in the Cup Series, also the only other driver to win in the 24 car, aside from Jeff Gordon. Um, Yeah, and there was some interesting news that came out um, earlier on Thursday um, regarding Hendrick Motorsports and Richard Childress Racing are teaming up to develop one engine for all of the Chevys in the Cup Series. Uh, for those that don't know, every Toyota is powered by an engine developed by TRD, which is Toyota Racing Development, and every Ford runs an engine designed by uh, Yates. So the Chevys, meanwhile, some of them run Hendrick and some of them run RCR equipment, and so they're trying to get more efficient with you know, giving everybody the same knowledge and whatever, because they've seen what happens when you get really good engines. Turns out Fords and Toyotas are hard to beat when they have good engines in them. Um, You know, typically speaking, Hendrick has been very good at super speedway races. Uh, Chase Elliott's won here previously. Um, It was under a caution. Uh, Alex Bowman, by the way, was running second to chase Elliott in that race when it ended. Um, You know, we, we've tended to avoid chase Elliott at, and Daytona, though he did run pretty well there a few weeks ago in the last regular season race, um, the one that uh, Byron won. And then Jimmy Johnson. I don't really know what to make of Jimmy Johnson this week. I really don't. Um, he's been okay in the last four Talladega races. He tends to get caught in the middle of the pack at the very worst time. Um, so if I'm ranking them... For Hendrick, um, I'd probably go Chase Elliott one, Byron two, Bowman three, and JJ four. It's probably JJ how, it,
0: four. yeah, I guess I really shouldn't be arguing too much with JJ being four. Um, he's
1: starting mid pack,
0: yeah, no, I get uh, it. Okay, that's a good
1: point. Chase Elliott at least has a win here. He did run well at Daytona, he's got some PD because he can, he's starting 10th. Um. Doesn't overall excite me, um, nor should he. Byron, he's really only getting a boost because he wanted Daytona, but you got to take that for something. So,
0: um, all right, we are 35 35 and a half minutes in, and this is probably the earliest we've ever mentioned or talked in depth on Brendan Gone. Brennan Gaughan is strictly a plate racer. He raced at the Daytona Not Road true.
1: Course. Not true. He raced at the road course earlier because I think he was drunk when he signed up.
0: Yeah, that was what I was kind of alluding to. He did race at Daytona Road Course for $9,500. He's uh, For $9,500 for this race, he's starting 39th. He's priced up strictly for the position differential. Um yeah, he's, he, he's gonna like, be he's, he's gonna a, be playing a lot of lines. He's kind of like a cash game lock, regardless of the price, because you're gonna spend down for so many other drivers turning at the rear that you can easily fit Brendan Gong into any lineup.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, he's either the like the sixth most expensive guy on DK, I think. Yeah, uh, FanDuel priced him where you would expect a guy named Brendan Gong to be priced at five thousand dollars.
0: He's the exact same price as Kyle Busch on DraftKings.
1: Yeah, which is. <laughs>
0: That's just 2020
1: right there. That's just pure. Um, Brendan Gong is just a masterful plate driver. I, I don't know why he is, but God bless him, because the man can can avoid wrecks like nobody's business. Um, even the one time he got caught up in a wreck and spun like nine times, he got out of the car and went, that was cool. <laughs> yeah, uh, Brendan Gong is a real interesting dude. Um I'm pretty sure, by the way, that his dad owns the South Point Casino, which is who sponsored last week's race in Vegas. Um, just as a odd fact there for you all. Um, yeah, Brendan Gong started 39th and finished 21st um, here in the June race. Um, he's just really good at plate racing. Just <laughs> it's just the way it goes. He started 29th and finished 8th. Um, in the first race last year, um, yeah, he just <laughs> finished started 28th, finished 12th in two fall races ago. So yeah, uh, you're going to want him in your lineup. It doesn't really matter that he's 9,500 bucks on DK, which I just find hilarious. Um, 5,000 is a flipping steal on FanDuel and he's going to be basically a hundred percent played, uh, cause he's essentially your free square for this for this week um yeah that's how we feel about brendan gong
0: uh all right now who else are you looking at uh for the rest of the field um i feel like we can go anywhere with this because like bubble wallace is 7700 starting 27th tyler reddick starting 30th and he's 7900
1: yeah i like ty dylan uh, yeah ty Dillon's
0: always in play for super speedways Yeah, he's
1: he's got four top twenties in the last four races here. His average finish in his in his seven Talladega races or the last seven Talladega races is that's a
0: guy you want in your cash
1: lineup. Yeah, Corey LaJoy always in play at plate races. Um, Justin Haley could be intriguing. He in the he is in the Cup race. Yes, he's he's racing the seventy seven car for Spire Motorsports. That by the way is the same one he won um in at the uh july daytona race last year the reason he also won
0: the xfinity race for talladega this year as well
1: yep guy
0: just straight up wins
1: uh doesn't he have three straight plate race wins between cup and xfinity didn't he win two plate races? he won the daytona didn't he win the daytona xfinity race
0: let me check on that I know he won the summer Xfinity race at Talladega, and he definitely won the Daytona race we were at once. Won,
1: I think he won the opening Daytona race for Xfinity this year, because I think he's got like three straight plate wins or three of the last four.
0: He finished uh, sixth at Daytona for Xfinity.
1: Which, which one? Because they've run there twice this year.
0: Oh, one second. Da, 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 da. Nope, you're right. He won Daytona. He won Talladega. He has won. He's won.
1: So he's three won two last plate four.
0: races at, at Xfinity this year. and He won Daytona Summer at the Cup level last year. Right. So
1: three of the last four plate races he's been in, he's won. Yeah. Um, are we saying that's going to happen this time around? I don't think so. Because technically, the win in the Cup series was due to Kurt Busch pitting when he shouldn't have pitted, and then that gave the the lead to Justin Haley, and they called it because. Uh, But either way, he was in the, you know, he was in position to win if something like that happens. So um, he's always intriguing. He's starting way back in the pack. Uh, Bubba Wallace obviously returning to Talladega after the last time they were there. It was the whole new slash garage rope thing. Um, And he actually was running really well in that race until he basically ran out of gas in the last.
0: I want to say in the last stage, he was consistently running in about the top eight
1: yeah, he was sixth before that last caution, and then yeah. they ran out of gas, and he had to get pushed to pit road, basically, and then got caught up a little bit in that in that wreck. So it didn't look like a great finish, but he was actually running in the top eight for, like, most of that race. Um, yeah, I mean, Nemechek, I think his aggressive driving could actually do him well um, in the plate race. Um Michael McDowell is an okay plate racer. Uh, better at Daytona than he is at Talladega. Um but yeah, I mean anybody is basically in play. Um, I'm not gonna tell you to fade anybody except for maybe Matt Kenseth. Um, <laughs> um but no, I mean like literally anybody's in play. Just some of the starting spots are a little questionable for me. Like Chris Busher's starting too high. For me to really be intrigued by Busher. Um, Ryan Newman, obviously, the storyline with him in plate tracks, he's been in position to win a couple of times in the last three or four of them, hasn't really come to fruition. Um, Ryan Priest, kind of hopping around the board here, but Ryan Priest, his driving style could very well come in handy here. He's got a top five
0: in his three cup races here. Did you mention uh, Matt Benedetto?
1: I did not. I don't know how I missed Matt Benedetto.
0: Yeah, 7,200 starting 13th. Pretty good spot. And the Wood Brothers show up at short tracks and plate races. And a couple mile and a half this year. I mean, Matt DiBenedetto home, came very close to – I mean, he was on the front row for a lot of restarts at Las Vegas, and, and I was yep. pulling for him. But, I mean, ultimately the, the writing was on the wall that it was going to be Kurt Busch's win.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, um, you know, he's come close a few times. He also led 49 laps in the Daytona 500 a couple of years ago. So Mm -hmm. um, he's a guy that's usually always in play at plate races. Um, I don't know how I actually forgot to mention Matt DiBenedetto. um, But, yeah, and he may or may not be looking for a new ride this year. I don't know. I don't know, because technically, like, Wednesday night was the deadline for him to find out if he's back with the Wood Brothers or not. And nobody seems to know what happened. Bob Pockers tweeted today that he's heard everything from he's definitely coming back to he's definitely gone. And those are from people that know the situation. So I don't even know if they've figured it out yet. So, um, but there are certainly rumors that Austin Singer could be headed to the 21 car next year. Um... And use it as a satellite Penske team, much like they did with Blaney when he was in the 21 for a year before he got a number 12 ride and Penske expanded to a three-car team. Um, so he might be racing for a ride. We, we, we're we not sure on that one. But.
0: All right. Um, I'm not sure if there's anyone else you want to go for over. I mean, we Timmy they don't. Timmy Hill?
1: <laughs> not really. I'm just like, man, he's, you know. He's starting pretty far back there.
0: I don't know. I talked him up for the Bristol race, and then he did nothing. And so I, yeah, I you, feel like I let people oh, down. That
1: was a case of bigger <laughs> for that one.
0: Um, he loves Bristol, though. Yeah. I don't.
1: Just not that night. He didn't. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, that pretty well covers it. For cash, you're going to basically make a straight PD play lineup. You're going to start basically anybody starting... For a cash lineup, you're essentially going to pick one person starting in the top, oh, I don't know, 10 or 11 spots. Um, And then everybody else is going to be starting, like, twenty fifth, 26th or worse. And you're just going to root for the guys in the middle of the crash out, and the guys starting 25th or worse move up. That's a cash lineup. Um, For GPPs, you can try to go with a couple of guys starting in the top, you know seven spots or so hope they hold their spot and get you some laps led although laps led's not a huge factor in scoring this week um and then the same thing then you're just gonna you can be a little bit more aggressive with the guys that you put into gpp lineups in terms of starting spots um but that's the main difference between gpps and
0: cash this week all right um yeah if you've never watched a talladega race or daytona race just just be aware that these guys race in a giant pack, um, and don't
1: ever check your lineups during a Talladega. Yeah, don't
0: check your lineups; it's gonna fluctuate like the wind. Because uh, you're it,
1: gonna watch the first two stages, and you're gonna go, "Oh, this is calm as hell." I don't know why y'all were
0: talking this thing up like a wreck, and then it gets crazy it, in the third stage.
1: Right, because literally it went a hundred and what fifty laps in the June race without a caution. Right. They were talking about how it could be the first caution-free Talladega race in like a decade, never and then bam, literally on the last lap on the back straightaway, half the field crashed. Yeah. So,
0: just you know, be aware. It's it's a race that I always play light, um, with and the exception of the junior race be because what's that? Pitting
1: is going to be nuts because you're going to see teams, you're going to see manufacturers work together in this race yeah. like nothing, like no other track you see, like. They will try to get all the Fords to pit together. You will then see Toyotas and some of the Chevys pit together. And then you'll see the rest of the Chevys all pit together, and then they'll line up and they'll try to track down the pack. And then they'll and don't be shocked if you play a guy who's starting in like the top ten, and then like through the first ten laps you see that they're all the way back at like thirty eighth. It's strategy. strategy. A lot of these guys back up and go way back in the pack and just ride around and wait for the crash to happen and then move up. Sometimes it doesn't work because sometimes they move up at the wrong time and they get in the middle of the pack when the wreck happens. But yeah, just enjoy watching the strategy and the shifting back and forth and the drafting and don't check your lineups until (laughs) literally the check flag. All right. There'll be two laps left. You'll think you'll be up like twenty grand, and then a wreck will happen, and then you'll be—you will have
0: lost everything, and
1: you'll be super bitter.
0: So, good stuff as always. Uh, I mean, thank God we had the schedule to talk about because you know, just—I like, always feel like we run out of things to talk about with Dega and Daytona, but uh, really we good get stuff. Roval next week, so we do get the Roval next week, which I'm much more excited about than this race. Much,
1: uh, slightly unpredictable road course.
0: It's fine. It's fine. Give it to me. I'd rather take that than Talladega,
1: than Daytona, or Bristol. I Man, we saw Martin Truex Jr. Literally the last possible corner in the first one. And then we saw Chase Elliott drive himself into a tire wall on the final restart, or the second-to-last restart, and somehow come back through the field to win the race last year. So it tends to be a pretty crazy race next week, too.
0: All right, and with that said, uh, we will sign off. Uh, Best of luck to you, the FA Nation. Uh, We will be in the chat Sunday for NFL and and NASCAR as well. We will try to mix in both. Um, Matt and I have to kind of pull double duty pulling inactives for NFL. But, Matt, best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation.
1: Best of luck, FA Nation.